Hey everyone, and happy holidays. Welcome to episode 58 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today, my two wonderful co-hosts. First up, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of the podcast. If you ever want to reach out to us or find us on the internet, you can do so at facebook.com slash the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to BGG Guild number 2077. Find us on places like Twitter and Instagram. All of those are great avenues to get in touch. We also want to start the show by thanking our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. You can find them at playtmg.com and try out some of their stupendous games that they have available. A couple of new things just hit the shelves, and uh, they would make for good presents under the non-denominational festive holiday foliage. <laughs> I feel like I covered my bases there. It was very considerate. Thank you. So, thank you again to our wonderful sponsor, TMG, for their support. This show is going to be another good one. We are going to chat a little bit about our top of the stack from October, November, and jump into December, January. Here's a hint, it didn't go well. We are also going to do our holiday buying guide for 2016. This is the third annual, everyone. We've done this a couple of times now. But before we do any of that, we are going to jump into what we've been playing, and I see Dan's list is the smallest this week for some reason. Dan, you haven't been playing anything? Played a ton, but you had a bunch of games I played, and I don't know. I don't know that I feel like talking about the other ones I played, so I will at some point. I could pick one. I have plenty. I have plenty to talk about. Interesting. Okay, well, let's talk about the one game that you have listed, Role Player. Sure. Role Player. Uh, this is from Thunderworks Games. I believe it's designed by Keith Majeka, who did uh, Bullfrogs, which is a game I really enjoy, actually. That was our first Kickstarter preview two and a half years ago. Role Player is... Thematically, you are basically building a role-playing character. So that whole hour to four-day process that <laughs> it can sometimes take to build your character for a role-playing game, uh, he's kind of whittled that down into a, a dice game, a dice drafting game, so to speak. Um, so this game, what happens is everyone takes a, a, class, a race at the beginning, um, and then they are dealt uh, traits, backstory, and I guess your class as well. Is that right? Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. All these things. And um, these things kind of drive what you're trying to do as far as your character build. Um, so they have all kinds of things that relate to the, the numeric face values of the dice you want to put in your six categories. So you've got your normal, your strengths, your constitutions, your dexterities, the, you know, your, your general tropes for the, the, the character build. Um, so you're going to be trying to place three dice in each of these character stats. Um, and depending on the character class you're given, you're trying to get them to match or exceed certain thresholds as far as the die values are concerned. Um, your backstory kind of wants you to have certain die colors in certain places and things like that. So it's, it's got some really thematic elements to it, which I really appreciate about it. Um, the, the overall mechanism that drives placing those dice is a draft. Uh, each round, there are going to be, um, I guess it's five dice uh, drawn from a bag, and the dice are in multiple colors. I believe there's five or six different colors in the game, uh, including the gold which are kind of like your your neutral ones that give you gold. 
see the linkage there. So what you're going to do in your turn is put these dice out. They go from uh, least value to highest value, and you're going to draft. Um, the, the catch is the least value die is going to get to buy first in the market phase, which comes after the drafting of the dice kind of thing. So you got to balance uh, getting a die with a higher value, maybe for that stat that needs a higher um, threshold, versus getting a card in the market. Um, these cards in the market are going to have skills, they're going to have traits, they're going to have uh, weapons, and they're going to have armor. And all of those do different things within the game. Some give you like a set collection bonus, others increase a stat at the end of the game, or give you a kind of ongoing effect, so to speak. So all these like really thematic elements come into this, which I, I really appreciated. Um, and the game is super simple as far as mechanics are concerned. I, I don't know why though, but like I've played this twice now. I've played it both at four players, and I just don't get excited for it. I don't know. I just, it's its a solid game. The design is very streamlined. Like I said, it's a simple game to teach. I just can't put, it's one of those games I just can't put a finger on why I don't like it more than I do. I, I, I don't know. Like I said, solid thematic integration, good mechanics, you know, somewhat interesting choices for, out, for the most part. Um, I don't know. Matt, what are your thoughts? Maybe I can just kind of play off what you're thinking, because I, I, it's really, it's an enigma to me. I can't figure out why I don't like this game more. This is a game that I almost backed. Steve sent it to me when the project was up, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, this looks like something I would like. It's got dice, it's got some role-playing kind of things, but it's still kind of Euro-y-ish in the sense that, I mean, it's just a, like, drafting and set collection kind of thing. I, I think you said it best when we were setting up the game, Smee was handing out all the things, we got our class, we got our trait, uh, and our backstory, and I was like, oh, I'm a hermit halfling, and I do these things, I'm a druid, and you said, well, that was the most fun part of the game, and I think you're, I think you're right, you know, you said it kind of in jest, but I found the game to be uh, uninteresting, I guess is the word, I, I found it to be boring, I, it wasn't an exciting game. It makes sense. I think that the design is very mechanical and very efficient in its mechanisms, where the drafting makes sense, how you set up the dice, how you set collect, how you move things around, the abilities that you have available to you. Uh, but it just it feels thematic but soulless. And I don't mean soulless in like the, oh, this is such a dry, fun Euro game. I mean, it's just kind of, it's got no heart to it. And when you're playing a role-playing game, that's really what you want. When you're when you're doing fantasy uh, theming, you really want a lot of kind of heart and soul and, and really feel like you're involved in that world. And this game just feels like you're moving dice around. Uh, I'm really glad that I didn't buy it. I think that a lot of people might enjoy the game. I've seen a lot of people praise it, but I, I'm so glad that I played it once and now I can be done with it because it is the furthest thing from my mind in terms of wanting to purchase. And it's expensive. That's the other thing. It's like 60 bucks for this game and it just, yeah, the gameplay on offer doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I mean, it has a, it has an interesting puzzle as you know, you're trying to get dice in certain places and certain numeric values, and that that I kind of appreciate, and I enjoyed that part of it. But it the market totally phase, works. the just, game yeah. works, but it's not yeah. it's not a game that you that I should say that I derived any enjoyment from. I just kind of was like, all right, cool, eight turns left, let's power on through. Yeah, no, so I agree. I just I can't put a finger on it. I like 
so much about it, I think, is interesting on paper. And, and like you said, it's executed well. It just, yeah. Well, everything you guys described, I was like, oh, I'm going to like this. Like, ever your whole description, I, I started looking at it. And then I saw $62 on Amazon. I was like, I'll listen a little bit longer then. <laughs> yeah, it's it's expensive, and I think it was cheaper for the Kickstarter. But yeah, well, I, good for the Kickstarter people. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I, I have no problem with but... that that part of it. I just I don't think it's a sixty dollar. There's no sixty dollars worth of game in that box. It's got a ton of dice. It's really that's like, why it's sixty dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand the pricing. I'm just saying, for me, I I'm not going to get sixty dollars worth of enjoyment or replayability out of that game. Did so. you find any? satisfaction any enjoyment anything interesting given that you've played it with two different uh like character classes or races i mean like you've played different combinations did you find the experience to be different enough um it depends i mean the the special powers of your class i guess it is i keep getting them all mixed up i'm not a role player so sorry <laughs> um the class yeah so if you're like an assassin versus a rogue or something like that 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 gives you a little bit of variety but they're not like groundbreaking like the first time i played i had the warrior and i was allowed to hold four hands worth of weapons instead of two or i was the barbarian berserker or something like that so i was like cool that's awesome but then you like you look through the deck and there's only eight weapons in the entire market deck and it's like okay i can hold four of these but <laughs> like i'm not gonna get four of these um, and some of them are two-handed versus one-handed, but I, I went through that game and I didn't get to buy a single weapon. So that was like, oh, well, that was kind of, eh. And I yeah. find that a lot of the the cards in the the market, and maybe this is intentional because you do have to balance getting the thresholds on your dice versus getting the you know the supplemental market cards to kind of support what you're doing. But a lot of them are very situationally based, and... Uh, and a lot of them don't come out at a you know an opportune time and it's just like it's a waste and it's like oh okay well i'm just gonna draft the best die then you know it, it made the choice easier a lot of times because the market just didn't have anything that really interested me you know for half of the turns kind of thing yeah so, it could have been my inexperience but i just i just tried to play to my dice i didn't try to play to any of the unique kind of trait cards or anything like that because they came out they don't come out early enough for you to devise a strategy around them because you only get five cards per turn and then there there were cards at the end where it's like okay i'd love to try that but i'm two turns away from the end of this game i can't do anything with that card so i'm just going to grab whatever gives me immediate points yes that's yeah that's how i feel like i said they're they're very situational based you know sometimes you're like, oh, cool, that's early enough that I can... Like, I had that one card that said for every trait where your die values equaled five or less, you get two points. And I looked at my card, and I had two traits that I was already... Got, I already had ones in it, and they were, like, only worth one point on my card. So they were, it was better for me to get this card so that there are two points now. And I, I just did that. But again, if that card would have come out in you know turn eight or nine i'm too far ahead in that point and that card is just worthless to me so and that happens with the majority of the cards is the point like it's not just oh this one card is worthless it's kind of like i'm only going to get eight of these cards and you don't really get to synergize a whole lot yeah it's just it it's just a little i wanted more out of the cards i wanted yeah. more out of the market deck I and that's that half the me. game 
Yeah, I told that to Smee the first time I played it. I said, I, I want more out of this deck that is interesting and exciting. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, I yeah, I that's cool. People like it. I it just, and I, I have nothing against the game other than it just wasn't exciting for me. I don't know why. <laughs> All right, Tiff. You might not be interested in role player anymore. No, I'm not. Thank you, though. But this is why podcasts are important. Well, that's true. But I remember a time when we were very excited for a game, and we played that game, and we did not like that game. Night of the Grand Octopus. This is, yeah. for some reason, back on your list, though. What happened? Yeah, I played it. I've played it two weeks in a row at Board Game Club, because... Because we played it at uh, Gen Con, and it didn't go well, like, when I bought it. And I hadn't played it since because it was not fun. And turns out you have to play it with its sort of intended audience because my kids seem to really be into it. And, I mean, it's been a little while, but basically you are trying to collect artifacts. I don't know. You're trying to collect chits. And you have two dudes, a big dude and a little dude. Like your cultist and your Cthulhu monster. And you have a little dial that you put. Uh, there's a big hand and a little hand. And that determines where your guys go. And there are different things that happen when they meet up. And you have to kind of negotiate if you're with someone. Whether, you know, you one person gets it. And then nothing happens to the other people. Or there's a penalty if you can't negotiate who gets it kind of a thing. So they actually... I We just... When we played it as adults, there wasn't much negotiation that happened. It was kind of like, yeah, you take it, goodbye. Like, yeah. there's no fun <laughs> there for adults. But the kids get into it, and they're, like, you know, stating their case and arguing, like, it's like law and order for, like, a few minutes, and then they decide. And they, they seem to have a lot of fun with that part of the game, which was missing for us. Mm. And it's fun watching them play it. Yeah. I can tell you that. So... How'd they handle the theme? No, no one really has a problem with the theme. Like, some of my kids know uh, what Cthulhu is or read Love Lovecraft already because they're nerds. Uh, so, it, I mean, no one... It's monsters to them. Yeah, I just keep monsters thinking about that fun. pandemic Cthulhu debate. The internal struggle yeah. of which one to go with. So I didn't know if they were drawn to squiggly face monsters. Well, it's really cartoony in this one. So... I don't even think it registers, like, the theme even registers. Sometimes I think they pay way less attention to theme than I do. Like, Really? <laughs> yeah. I like I these mean, a kids. Theme, a theme can get them into a game, you know what I mean? But they're just learning the rules and playing the game and doing what they're told. I don't know. No, that makes sense. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a symptom of, like, just being in school and having to do things that teachers tell you already. So when I'm like, okay, we're going to play this game, and it's about this, and here's what you do. They're like, yep. Like, no one's like, this isn't thematic enough. Or, like, you just don't hear the, the same arguments that you hear from, like, adult board gamers. Like, no one's upset about the theme or disappointed that it wasn't thematic enough. That's never a thing that a kid has ever said, in my group anyway. Interesting. But they like it, so yay! I donated it to Board Game Club, and it's not going to sit and collect dust. That I is found the real win. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I'm glad to hear about that. Uh, I recently got contacted for some geek gold by one of our listeners, Luke Watson, from Iowa, as he signs off on his geek mail. <laughs> Luke Watson from <laughs> Iowa. He uh, he hit us up for some geek gold to get a Meeple Shield micro badge. 
which is fantastic. But he mentioned in the end of his message that he was excited on hearing Dan and I's take on Great Western Trail and Adrenaline. So I want to kind of jump into Great Western Trail because we haven't talked about that yet. So I don't know if you want to do you want to lead off, Dan, since you're more experienced or do you want me to try to summarize it real quick? Go ahead. So Great Western Trail is an Alexander Pfister. Would you call it a heavyweight or like a midweight euro? I think it leans heavy. Yeah. And in this game, what you're doing is traveling along the Great Western Trail and you've got a board element and a hand of cards kind of element where you're uh, wrangling up cattle and delivering them at the end of the trail. And the way that the game works through the turn structure is that you're actually going to be moving along the trail on these action spaces that you place on the board. So as the game goes on, you and your opponents will be building the board up more and more and you only get a certain amount of movement along the trail and you have to stop at certain spots along the way. So, you know, a lot of the decision making is chartering your path, picking where to stop, uh, what kind of to pass over, what actions to utilize to gain victory points, to gain uh, momentum in your engine. You have a player board that you can improve across time uh, because there's also a train element where each time you end on the Great Western Trail, you have to use your hand of cards to kind of meet a threshold to stop at different stations thematically in different areas, to reach different areas in the country. And you have to get progressively further and further because if you do not, you end up at closer locations which are less valuable to you. Uh, They even score you negative points to some extent. So you're trying to improve your hand of cards so that when you finish taking your actions along the Great Western Trail, you can kind of score a certain amount and place tokens and improve your board further along this train track kind of thing. There's a few other elements, but that's the quick summary. Are there any other fundamental pieces that I missed, Dan? No, I think you're good. Okay. I only got to play it once. Uh, Dan's played it a few times now, and this is probably one of the best Euro games I've played this year. I think it might be the one that I've had the most fun with in terms of it's tough but the decision making and kind of where you want to head doesn't seem too far away you're working towards something you've got a lot of different options on where to improve uh, where to become more efficient and I didn't do so hot I did better than Steve I think that's all that matters but (laughs) you know I didn't do great because I kind of focused in one area and I know Dan said that at least in the game that I played we uh, mistook a rule slightly but i really found the decision making satisfying and there are definitely enough strategic elements that you could vary from play to play and i'll let dan speak to that a little bit but it seems like there's a lot of different things that you could try to do there's a couple key strategies that you want to focus on but how you get there and kind of when you make certain decisions seems to be varied enough that you could get a lot out of this game so dan i'll let you speak to it a little bit yeah i think um I also think it's an excellent game. Uh, it's one of my favorites this year. Um, it's just it doesn't do a lot of things truly innovative, but it, it does a lot of familiar things with a slight twist, and it combines them all really well. You've got your your little like I still call it a rondelle. Some people have argued with me about that, but it's it feels like a rondelle. It's like a customized rondelle and that you're placing these buildings down that give you new spaces to stop along the way. And then when you get to the end, you start back over at the end or I mean at the beginning. And, um, 
there's a lot of variability in the the buildings that you can build i mean both sides i mean the tiles are two-sided there's an a and a b side and you can play them in various ways that give you different kind of combinations for strategies um there's like three main paths to victory it's like the buildings the cows and the train tracks and the well four with the objective cards so you need to you need to kind of balance all of them in a way but you can focus predominantly on one or two of them and and make do which is which is really nice um it's not it's it's actually i've taught it a few times um the first couple times I taught it, I taught one rule incorrectly, which affected plays, which I apologize profusely about to those people. Um, and uh, I've since played it correctly, and it does change it slightly, the rule I'm talking about being the Station Master's piece. But I still, you know, I still think you need to kind of work in multiple areas to succeed. So, yeah, I like it a lot. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. All in all, we had a big discussion on it over at the Geek All-Stars a couple weeks ago. So if you want to hear a 45-minute discussion on Great Western Trail, you can check that out. Um, but I think, yeah, overall, this is a this is a must-buy if you're a fan of the, the medium to heavier side of the Euro spectrum. As well as Alexander Pfister, because this guy's just on fire. He's killing it. I don't know whether I like this more or less than Mombasa. I, I've, like, I've kind of thought about that, because I really like Mombasa a lot. So, but they're both excellent. I, I don't think you need to choose. You can own them both. Do you think that this game has the longevity to be like a really good, stable Euro? Or do you think it's going to be, this is a really great game. It's hot. And not that it's a flash in the pan in a negative way, but a lot of the games that we've praised over the years, we still don't break out that often. I think that, uh, I think that that's two-part i think it depends on the nature of your group and your play styles as well as just the evolving the evolving market that we're in right now i mean is anything truly a staple anymore i don't know uh, as, at least on the heavier side of things um, it seems tougher and tougher it seems like more and more we're getting these family games that are rising in the bgg ranks and these games that appeal to kind of a wider spectrum than these heavier euros you know maybe in germany it's going to be more of a staple than it would be like in the u.s market for instance and again i think it depends on your group as well as i said to start like if you're the kind of group that's going to play this game four five six seven times a month for the next two three months then you you might get out of it what you need to get out of it and be done with it i don't know I'm not sure that our group is that way. I'm I've played it three or four times, which is pretty impressive for me. These last couple of months, I've been more into playing games repeatedly. Um, I don't know why I've had that kind of change in philosophy, but I still love playing the new stuff. But I really wanted to sit down and dig into some of these games a little more. So I I don't know. I, I guess my thing is is anything really a staple now? That's why <laughs> there's like a thousand five hundred games coming out a year. It's like. Eh. Well, that's the question. You got to wonder, like, what's going to rise to the top. So I I'm... oh, this is going to rise to the top. I this is easily one of the, like the top five best Euro games this year. I think for me, Tiff, how you feeling? Oh, I'll buy it eventually. Yeah, I, that's how I feel about it. I mean, when you guys both like a game, that's kind of a rule for me. If if you guys <laughs> both like it, that's probably a great sign for yeah. me. But. Uh, and plus, you know, it's Western themed. I mean, oh, that's true. Are you still <laughs> it's on that on kick? the list? Oh, I, I that's never going to go away, I don't think. Okay. If you want to sell games to TIFF, you set it in the American West. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, what else have you been playing that you're willing to talk about today? 
Um, let's talk about Covert, because this is fresh in my mind. We just played this three days ago or two days ago. This is a game from Renegade, um, designer Kane Klinko. It's um, about, I guess, your spies in the early 19th, 18th, or 20th century, I guess it would be, traversing this board, picking up missions and completing them, and all kinds of crowd cracking, all kinds of the, you know, the staples of spy movies and spy tropes. Yeah, so this is one I'd wanted to play for a while. I saw this at Gen Con, um, actually had Mr. Klinko kind of explain it to us while we were standing there, and it it was interesting because it's dice placement um, is the main mechanism, and I, I'm a big fan of that. And yeah, so this one is kind of, I'm at odds with it. I enjoyed the game, but I felt that it was, I don't know, it just wasn't as exciting, and that seems to be the the theme from this week's play session on Thursday was just the games coming out of it just weren't that exciting to me. Um, while they were good games and they played well and they were fine, like I had nothing mechanically to speak of that was negative. It just wasn't that, I don't know, it was just a little bit too, I don't know, complex for complexity's sake. Everything in this game is multi-use card. Like you can flip cards and they become codes and on the back they're and on the back they're like mission items and then the cards in your hand have like three things that they can be used for and just kind of like it took me a while to like wrap my head around the usage of that and that's that's not the game's fault that's my fault when I get these kind of while I really enjoy multi-use um cards and multi-use everything it just for those games for me take a few turns for me to just kind of cycle it through in my head and yeah it just for this for me it just didn't it didn't stick as something overly interesting the dice mechanism was was kind of cool you place a die there's 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 circles for these four actions and around the circle is one through six so if you place a die so if i place the one that means the next person if they wanted to take that action they could only place a two or a six so you have to play a jace play adjacent to a die that's already placed in there. So you have to time the dice you've rolled. So you get five dice to use for your turn. You have to time how you place them. Um, and, and then when you resolve the actions, you have to time how you resolve them as well. So that was interesting, but I don't know, as a whole, I just found it. I don't know. It was good. I don't, yeah, I'm really at a loss for words today. It just seemed like, um, for me at the end of it, like it, like the efficiencies just weren't there. It was more of a, let me grab the highest point card and try and complete it. There was no, while everything in the game was restrictive, I think getting the points was like the easiest part. <laughs> it seemed like once you got that engine to a point, it just completely snowballed and it took away some of the, the tension after a certain point in the game for me, which I just kind of, everyone just went through the paces and it was more a matter of, who would get the random flip that had the higher point card kind of thing. But that's just me. I Good game. I just don't need to own it. You and Smee and Steve and I seem to be split on this one. Steve and I seem to like it. You and Smee seem to be lukewarm on it. And I, I don't know what kind of spurs that. I think that I enjoyed the gameplay. It's relatively straightforward once you understand it. Uh, the one thing that did bother me was the dice placement although I think that that is probably the most unique part of the game there is the potential issue where you can get locked out of an action because either it fills up or you don't have dice that can actually be placed in 
the way that it's unfolding because if somebody places a one and you don't have a six or a two, you can't place. And if no one else decides to place, you actually just don't get to go there. And there's some mitigation, but the mitigation is not accessible freely. You can't take an action to mitigate in some way. You can try to draw a token and maybe get some mitigation, or you can try to get a card that maybe helps you with mitigation, but it's not, you know, I can spend a certain pay a cost of some sort to, although it's more taxing, I can do the thing I want to do. Uh, so it's a little more random that way, but I thought the set collection and the, the trading in for the contracts made sense. I like the graphic design overall. The board gets a little busy when everyone's dropping their cubes around, but it's not hard to understand. I, I liked it overall. I think that it did run a little long, but that's probably because there was some AP and there was some misunderstanding. It was a game that we learned on the fly. We picked it up and read the rule book and, and played it right away. And it was manageable, but it, it stretched the time limit a little bit longer. I think the time on the box was 45 to 60. I don't know. I don't know if you're hitting that consistently. Maybe if you get better at the game. You only played a six contracts completed. So it might not take that long, but I, I enjoyed it. I think it was fun. I don't know. If I would buy it or not, but I'd definitely play it again and be happy with it. I'm glad it's on the store shelf, so now that we know it, maybe we could break it out again sometime. Yeah, it's just it's one of those games I just never really had a sense of how I was doing throughout it. It just and like, like I mentioned, the the arc for me was like it was super tedious in the beginning. Like I had to go here to get this card, to get this card to play this card, and this card to get that location, that location to get this card completed. And then by like the middle then that just kind of completely snowballed into any mission card I drew, I could complete within that turn. And let's just see who can get the highest point one. So it was, I don't know. It just didn't, I didn't like the arc overall, I think is what I, I think bothered me the most, but I did, like I said, I liked the dice placement mechanic and the, the timing kind of that went into the, both the resolution and the placement of it. But yeah, it just, it, that didn't sit well with me. Tiff. Hi, Tiff. Yes. How are you? Hi. I'm all right. How's life on that side of the, the microphone? It's fine. How it's is, great over here. How is Celestia? I like Celestia, but I was surprised that it didn't work as well for my board game club as I thought it would. Maybe it's just because it was a first play, um, but I picked it up because I like it. It's like a fun little pressure luck game. It's got a 3D ship and your dudes, you know, you are a dude in that ship. And there are, I think, nine different cities that you can go to. Each of those nine cities has a pile of treasure cards. And as you go further down the line of cities, the treasures get bigger and better. These are your points. And you're just trying to get the most points by the end of the game. Um, so what happens is you move to a city and the captain of the ship, and that kind of rotates around, has to face a challenge. They roll dice that show symbols and they have to play cards that match the symbols in order to pass the challenge. Before they do that, all the players in the ship get to decide if they're going to bail and take the card from, you know, the last pile, so it's not going to be as high, or continue on with the captain and potentially get a better reward. So, and then once you're out, you're out for that round until everybody messes up and then it starts over. So the thing that happened with Board Game Club that I didn't anticipate is kids will just push their luck. <laughs> they will just all stay in. <laughs> so some of the strategy of like, oh, they're getting out and, you know, like just trying to think about 
those probabilities of the person like they don't care they don't think about it at all i'm like no guys no guys you got to think about this he rolled these symbols what are the chances because you're not replenishing your cards you start with this hand of cards Mm -hmm. and as you go it's like it's less likely that you're going to have these things they don't care they're just like yeah i want to go there's bigger stuff on the horizon here they'll just go it's concerning just in general that's why you can't gamble until you're 18 or 21 depending on where you're at so glad there's some laws out there about this because they do they just push it now i did have a couple of kids bail out real early but they were like oh that was a mistake (laughs) gotta let it ride (laughs) everybody almost everybody let it ride so it kind of it didn't go it wasn't as strategic as when i play with adults a little bit yeah yeah it definitely breaks the game gotcha (laughs) if everybody pushes their luck all the way to the end it is not fun that way so we're gonna probably try it again now i played it with some of the younger players in my group maybe if we mix in a few of the older kids that have been playing for a little bit longer i don't know that might help but or i'm just gonna have to coach them a little bit more on the strategy of the game i i figured you know we play a lot of pressure luck games i figured this would be okay but mm -mm. well it's it's good (laughs) to learn i guess Uh, yeah well i thought i already had you know (laughs) i thought that this would be an easy one for them to pick up and it would be fine but um you know and i think i i think they had fun with it i just don't think it was the kind of fun i wanted to have so. You ever seen that game with the dinosaur, or the alligator mouth, where you push the teeth down, and if you push the wrong tooth, it snaps shut on your finger? No. It's like a kid's game, and it doesn't like hurt you or anything, but I saw someone oh. play where they replaced the teeth with razor blades, ah! and that I think that's what you need. You just need to teach them a little, they the dangers of pushing your luck. stakes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like... I, I... Don't do that in school, Tiff. <laughs> I, it was weird because they were like, meta, they're just, they're like, it's just a game. Like, what's the risk? <laughs> exactly. So, That's what you need to you need to teach them some yeah. real consequences. Yeah, I guess so. But take we'll them out in an actual I- boat and throw them off. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's it. They just they they are not using their imagination very well. The theme is, I mean, I it's a fine theme and it's got a 3D ship that you're hanging out in. It's about as thematic as a game like this could be, but it's not thematic. So, I don't know. I like it. So even if they don't like it, I'm keeping it for, you know, fun casual gameplay here at home, but I really thought they would like it. The moral of the story is that adolescents need more fear in their life. They're just unpredictable. I guess that's what's fun about teaching middle school. You just (laughs) never know what you're getting. (laughs) All right. So that is a whole bunch about what we've been playing. Some good and some bad somewhere in there. Uh, Let's go ahead and move forward into our next segment after a quick break. All right, everyone, we are back, and it is time to chat about Top of the Stack. Now, Top of the Do Stack, have to? Uh, you know, Top of the Stack has been a little wonky lately. We've been a little off schedule with when we make our picks and when we do our reporting. So what ended up happening was October and November got joined together because we actually only made our picks like halfway through. And December, January is actually going to have the same thing. But hopefully after that, we can get back on track to a monthly Top of the Stack. Uh, but clearly... 
I, either we take advantage of all the time or we're just that bad where even with October and November being joined together, I don't know that we did so hot, did we, friends? Tiff, no. tell me a little bit no. about how yours went. Well, I thought I had two out of three, <laughs> if that makes you feel any better. What is on my top of the stack, what is actually on my top of the stack is La Isla, Mitira, and Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. I kind of forgot about Mitira, and I thought that I had p- Pandemic Cthulhu Reigns instead. So I thought I had played La Isla and that, and I had two out of three, but I didn't. I only have one out of three. I feel like you've done this before. I do it all the time. My memory is really, real bad. Uh, you know, I need to sleep more. Our, our good buddy Mike has not been doing our show notes. No, not that he has to do our show notes. He has not been doing our top of the stack. And mm. I mean, I understand if I were him, I probably wouldn't want to deal with putting that much failure into a post every month. But uh, it's sad. You know, it, it doesn't keep me in line. I've got no accountability without Mike. I just need to be. I, I don't know. I just had it in my head the wrong way. It, it happens. So, But I did play games, so I'm calling it a win. All right. So Games were played. For the December-January month and a half, tell me a little bit about what is on your top of the stack. I kept me, Tierra, because I do want to play that over break, and I'll have time to learn the rules for it. We got out the rulebook and started to try to learn it, and not that it's terribly complicated but we just determined it was too late in the night to try to learn it yeah so that's still on there uh i picked up the expansion for pandemic the cure and i would like to get that played because i love pandemic the cure i'm on a huge pandemic kick right now yeah i can see that cthulhu reigns really got me going so (laughs) i i got that and then i want to get into the habit of adding an older game every top of the stack something that's already on my shelf that i remember liking but haven't played in years and so i added uh at the gates of loyang nice i only played that once and i don't know that i was ready for it yeah it's an oldie but a goodie it's a tight game i like it or i liked it i don't know maybe i don't anymore it's been years i suppose you'll find out maybe maybe if you (laughs) top of the stack so mine was a hot mess because this was the (laughs) month that i was gone or missed an episode and then we picked for you you picked for me and then really good choices technically like i gave revision rights in november where you could pick something different and i didn't because i wanted to stick it out and just live through the pain of having Haspelnecht, nippon a feast for odin la isla and assassin con all on my list games that i do not have access to which is fantastic i played la isla i played a feast for odin i've never even seen the boxes for Haspelnecht or nippon and assassin con you can only play with minimum four players so that didn't work out well. I appreciate all of your help, everyone. Never again. Never again. I helped. I picked the one game on there that you actually own, and I played it with you. So see, I would have been fun. happy to play any of these games, but they weren't even like available to play during our game days. So I was, I got screwed. I got duped. Anywho, my frustration is subsiding, and I can talk about December and January going to be playing some Blood Bowl because I have that. I have the new edition and I'm very excited to play that. Uh, I think that I should play another game of Conan or two considering the time that I spent uh, waiting for it and then all the money that I spent on it. I'd be happy to play some more. Dan passed off a small little abstract game called Vikingdoms which is pretty cute from Mind Fortress Games. 
Uh, it's another like abstract with a stacking movement kind of thing. So like six making, I'm on a stackable game kick apparently. So that'll be like a light abstract to jump into. And then I have Seki Gahara and I probably need to play it. It's two player, so I should be able to like rope Cal in or maybe get Dan to play because I know he's got it too. But uh, I got to read those GMT rule books and those are not always fun. Lots of text. I wish you all the luck. Thank you. It might take me until January just to get through the rule book. So we will see. Anywho, that is my December and January. Dan, how did you do? Uh, one out of three, which is funny because I played about, no joke, like 65 games last month. But none of them were the ones that I had on this list because, let's be honest, when there's Essen games and new hotness, I want to play those. So, yeah. But, but Hospital Necked is a new game. It's not a new game. It's like two or th- it's, it's like three years enough. old. No, it's like three years old. It's just they reprinted it. But it's new to you. It is new to me, and I would like to play it. But for some reason, the rule book wasn't in the box when I went to play it last time. So that you need was... to go shopping in your own closet. I hear that's a thing. I have some stuff in my closet. And then it would be new, new hotness to you. Yeah. No, it's. It, I'm really looking forward to playing that game. That's why I added it for my my top of the stack next month. I carried that one over. So for December, January, February, whatever we're doing this for, uh, I'm doing Haspelnect, Tavarua, which is the little surfing game, uh, The Colonists, which is, oh, it's so beautiful. It's like 22 punch boards worth of cardboard, <laughs> so much wood. Uh, I was looking at that one this morning. It's called On the Box, the epic strategy game, and it's pretty epic. I'm really excited to try that one. Um, and then 1989, this is the kind of spiritual successor to Twilight Struggle. And if I'm being honest, I like it more. So, yes, that one. Awesome. I found somebody selling a really cheap copy of it because I think it's currently out of print. So what do you mean you like it more? I find the game, it's the same design, one of the same designers. I just Have you, find you played it? 1989, yes. I have played oh, okay. Our buddy Travis taught me taught me the game, and we played like half of it uh, before we had to check out BGG Con. So yeah, I got a flavor for the mechanics and the everything. So it's one I can actually teach, and I bought it immediately because I liked it that much. So I'm looking forward to playing it. I forget it's 1989. I think it's Dawn of Freedom. I think is the full title. But yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. I put four on there since I'm going to challenge myself. Yeah. I like to keep my expectations low for myself. That tends to be the safer bet. Less disappointment. Nope. I like to stretch. All right. Well, that is our top of the stack for October, November, and December, January. Feel free to head on over to the BGG Guild number 2077 to put your top of the stack. And hopefully you are being more committed to to the games that you pick because we are clearly not good examples do as we say not as we do yeah yeah or hold us accountable just like berate us with tweets and things like that about how we should be doing our top of the stacks let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back we will do our holiday buying guide for 2016 join us for that We are back, and it is time to do 2016's Holiday Buying Guide. This is our list 
of some of the great games that you should be buying for your friends, your family, maybe even yourself, broken down by a couple of different categories that we made. So we are going to kick it off. We each have a game or two for each of these. We're going to start with filler and stocking stuffer games. As uh, Jason Katarski says, those great little games that you can have some fun with. Tiff, what is on your list to buy people in the filler category? Fuji Flush. I think it's kind of taking the place of pears for me, like the kind of game that you take to the bar or the restaurant, you just kind of play it casually. You can talk while you play it, and even if you're distracted, you're you're still pretty good on this one. So I like it a lot. Yeah, have you taught that to the, the board game club yet? I bought. Uh, it was it's in the bag, but they were more interested in 3D ships and ruining Celestia. So that's fair. They were more interested in ruining <laughs> games. That's fair. <laughs> Damn. We'll play it before Christmas break. What uh, what tiny games will you be stuffing stockings with? This was a tough one, but I went with probably my favorite card game that I played this year, which was Pie Mouth Flowman, or Plums, as the U.S. market knows it. Um, this is from Matthias Kramer, my boy. Um, this is a trick-taking game with um, kind of a unique twist on set collection where you're trying to fulfill certain little contracts within the game. And there's little special powers and awesome artwork. Uh, it's just a good all-around package. I like this one. Yeah, that was also my choice for stocking stuffer games because I only played this once. I would love if someone put this in my stocking. Kel, if you're listening, that would be fantastic. Uh, this is an awesome trick-taking game. I love plums. I only got to play it that one time, but I just like shot up my list. I want it. I want to play it some more. It's awesome. It's so last year for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's a good one, though. Yeah. I agree. Good job, guys. So last Moving year. Forward, did it just come out this year? I had. Plums I, I did. It. Yeah, Plums did. Oh, I Pie Mouth Flowman Tiff ordered a thousand yeah. years ago. I got it in Germany, too, but I thought it was still this year. Maybe it was still this year. I thought I it was. I don't know. Hmm. I don't, she I'll just, she right just insults us. I know. Well, I'm trying to keep her. Thinking. I'm trying to keep her. It was, hits, hipster it was just a joke, Dan. Take a breath. Keeping right. her hipster in check here. <laughs> I, I, I just know that it was 2015 in your face. All right, that settles it. Tiff retains My the hipster, hipster crown. My hipster is in check. Yep. Thank you very much. She's glowing. Oh well, I have the German version as well, so I don't know. I'm I gonna have, have the American version. Different with that. Plums. <laughs> At some point, mm. if I can find it. Anywho, moving forward, starting with Tiffany B. Again, family games. These are not necessarily... This this is the difference between family and our next category, lightweight, is that you know our families that we play with typically, they're the same thing, but not everybody's family games are their lightweight games. So this is like specifically stuff that you play with mom, brothers, get the whole family together during Christmas or whatever holiday you're at. What game are you going to be purchasing or putting on the table for people? I wonder what that's like playing games with your family. I wouldn't know. Isn't that sad? I picked Apotheca. I like this game a lot, and I I got it a while back and haven't had a chance to talk about it, but it's kind of just like a puzzly, I don't know, like you're trying to put together potions and you have apothecaries that help you do things you reveal secret potions or you're trying to get four in a row there's a grid of cards i'm not explaining it well but it sets up really fast and you can get into it really fast and it's just kind of one of those smooth games it's a little abstract for me but i like it the art is great 
Hi, uh, Apotheca is one of my favorite games uh, that I've gotten from Kickstarter. Fantastic. I really like that game. It's so easy to play. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect for family. Underappreciated. Because it's so easy to teach. It's a good choice. For sure. So, Dan, what is on your list for family titles? Um, for me, it would be Karuba. I love this game. I won't. I knew you'd pick that. I'm not gonna stop talking about how much I love that game because I do, and yeah, I really hope they do a s- expansion of some sort. I don't know what they would do, but do something cool. Don't taint it. It's perfect the way it is. No, but. Just there's, let it there's, be. There's options. There is a small expansion that you can print out that uh, that gives you a couple other objectives, which are small enough that it doesn't really affect the gameplay. It's just kind of things you can get I points think for. It's beauty is in its simplicity. No, I think it is as well. I just you know, I, this is a game I would expand. That's all I'm saying. Like I, I would ex- my collection. They might decide it doesn't need expanding, which is fine. It's perfect the way it is. But I don't buy a lot of expansions, and this is one I would. All right. On my list is a game that I have not played, but I've heard a bit about it, and it sounds like in the category of, like, family games, it sounds like Fabled Fruit would be a good, like, you know, lighter gamer family game, a game that can kind of evolve and maybe branch people into further mechanisms, deeper strategy, things like that. I've been looking into it. I know Dan was not a big fan of it. It sounds like it would not be a good fit for us. But it sounds like it would be a good fit for a lot of other people out there who primarily play with their families. Sounds like it starts pretty easy and, and kind of grows with you. I, I like the concept of it. It sounds pretty cool. And, you know, I, I haven't played it, so it's, it's kind of a silly recommendation. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't buy it for someone and then play it with their family, maybe. But what if they That's didn't really like ingenious. it? It's really What if they didn't like it? Then you're like that guy who gave the bad gift that they Yeah, returned. but they might not like any of these games. That's kind of the danger of gift giving. I know, but at least you could, like, you'd have something to base your gift on. Well, there are people that like it. Just check out Board Game Geek. I guess. Yeah. There are people like, there that don't like Karuba. justification. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. If people are like, hey, I don't like this game you got me, that can happen with any game. It's really, like, the best way to buy games for friends. Like, buy something that you're not sure you need to buy and just give it to them as a gift. So well, you buy something you that they would and... probably like. Well, yeah, so, yeah, you do that. Obviously, I think that somebody could probably like Fable. Think Fruit. more about yourself is what I'm yeah. promoting here, I guess. So, <laughs> I, I don't yeah. care. Just don't buy it for me. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Tiffany B. Next up is those lightweight games that uh, you know for us are typically the gateway versions. What would you go with? Imhotep. I think it's a good game. That was my pick. Thanks a lot. Sorry. Sorry about it. That's okay. What do you like about Imhotep? I don't know. I I don't know. know. I I didn't love Imhotep. I have it, but (laughs) it wouldn't be like my top pick of the year, but it's a game that was published in 2016 that is simple enough to teach like new gamers. And the strategy isn't particularly heavy and some things are really obvious what you should do. I think that's what kind of makes it okay for gateway game. Like the, the strategy of planning, like when you're going to like say it, like how you're going to put your dude on and sail over to wherever you're going to go. Screwing people over is always fun. So I think it makes for a good gateway. I mean, it is, it's that lightweight category. It, It really fits well in there. And it, I think it's got some, interesting decisions i really like imhotep i'm glad it's on my shelf and 
I like it better than Catan. I'll say that. You Imhotep haters out there need to go home. It's a solid <laughs> game. Boring. Dan, lightweight. Uh, I'm going to stay on the Hobbit train because they had an awesome year and say Adventureland. I love Adventureland. This is a game that actually has an expansion coming out with three new scenarios, which I'm excited for. Um, this is uh, Kramer and Kiesling, two of my favorite designers. A very simple but kind of unique um, area control and the, the movement element within the game is what really makes it for me. So uh, simple to play in typical Hava fashion, just like Karuba. The rule book is like a page and a half, and uh, you can just jump right into it. Really good game with with enough decisions that I think even the the um, the heavier gamers could you know sit down with their families and really enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like that's a pick that a lot of people probably don't have, which is good because you want a game that you know if you're buying for gamer friends that they don't have on their shelf and eventually and didn't get a huge amount of attention. So uh, that that'd probably be a good pick. I love that game. Tiffany B, moving back to you for a little mid to heavyweight Euro action. Everyone's favorite. I do love mid-to-heavyweight Euros. I just don't have time for them anymore. So I haven't really played a lot of this year's games. So I uh, picked Castles of Burgundy, the card game. It's a card game. It's in a little box, but it still feels like a midway Euro. And it's so cheap. And it's such an easy Christmas gift. I would get it for everyone that I know. I haven't played that, that one would, yet, but I hear games. that it's it's pretty similar. It's good. It feels like Castles of Burgundy, but like I'd say better. I like it better than Castles of Burgundy. So there. How does it play with That's four? That's my Euro game. Does it take three hours with four players? Doesn't have a board. Doesn't have meeples. But I don't know. No, I don't it doesn't. I've played it with four. I don't think it takes any longer. It's shorter than Castles of Burgundy in general, I think. Dan, your wheelhouse, your favorite type of game, mid to heavyweight Euro games. What do you got on your list? Mm, all of them. Just buy them all. That's all you need in your collection. You don't need any of this lightweight family stuff. Just get the heavy stuff. Stuff that like you can yeah. use in the kitchen to like smash things or like these boxes, you want them both heavy in weight physically as well as uh, figuratively. So you've so. got you've got a good friend who loves heavyweight euros. What do you buy them this season? Um, I will buy them Arkwright. That game was awesome. It's so crunchy. Have you expanded on your plays at all, or have you just still played it the one time? Just the one time. I loved it. Yeah, I wasn't sure how much you've dug into it, because that game's got a lot going on. Nope. But I loved it just with the little bit that we did, so I can only imagine it gets 30 times better. I mean, you could put anything in this category for me that I've played this year, a lot of them. So, But that one I did like a lot. I would. It's a very that. generous gift, too. It's not a cheap game. Yeah, that's why I kind of put it. I said, you know, it's something that I would... I would like to receive as a gift, but I, so that's not what that list is, Dan. Are we, have you been doing games that you want? No, but I'm saying like <laughs> if I was going to put the, usually on my Christmas list, you sometimes put some of the things that you wouldn't buy for yourself. You know what I mean? Whether it's price restrictive or just you know any other reason, so I would put that on a list. Gotcha. So I went with a game that we talked about earlier, Great Western Trail. I think that's probably one of the most interesting. Kind of fun Euro games that I played this year. It was only one play, but I, you know, I really kind of dug it. I'm interested to dig into it more. I wish it wasn't so expensive, but like Dan said, you know, this might be a good thing to get someone that they wouldn't buy themselves. And uh, yeah, so great Western Trail. Yeah, like a co-host or you know whoever. Yeah, what's your address, Tiff? (laughs) 
We'll talk about it after the show. Okay, cool. Uh, moving forward, a category that makes everyone uncomfortable, thematic, Ameritrash, whatever word you want to use to deface this lovely category of games. Uh, what would you get for someone looking for a little bit of theme, Tiff? Well, I think my answer should be obvious to everyone. You should get them Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Get them all up in that Lovecraft. Get get them all up in that Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to play Pandemic. Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not playing those big thematic games. I'm not like a Conan gal, so I don't have that in my life. This yeah. is as thematic as I have played in 2016. Maybe that's not true, huh? probably can come up with some others but this is one that i love so you played uh the american frontier game you said was quite yeah. thematic i like that one that's thematic i would i would buy that for someone but i would buy like i could see myself being like yeah everybody needs to have a copy of this baby that's fair it's fun it's got great little minis it feels thematic dan you think that the pandemic is the worst part of that yes i agree with tiff it looks great like it's well produced i said that when she bought it Dan is in favor of the Cthulhu. It's the yeah, pandemic I'm, that drives him away. Yeah, well, to each their own. I love pandemic, and I think a lot of people do. So it's a safe Christmas bet if you have someone who doesn't own it. Very cool. Dan, I know it probably hurt you to do so. I, I actually know it hurt you to do so because there was a lot of time ooing and eyeing over what you would pick. What did you end up with for thematic games? Um, I went with Adrenaline. If I had to pick one, uh, this... First-person shooter from CGE really kind of captured the the heart and soul of a, a first-person shooting game. I really liked the the different weapons, each one being unique. The kind of the the reloading, the kind of the missions, the all kinds of stuff. I like this one a lot. It's good and it's super thematic, but it's still a euro, so it makes it even better. Very cool. Adrenaline was also on my list. It was one of the two games that I had picked, but since that has already been talked about. I think I'll go with the best thematic game I have played this year, which was Arkham Horror, the LCG. The theme in that game, since this is just about the theme in this category, is fantastic. Uh, just kind of like oozing with storytelling and all kinds of Lovecraftian goodness. Get all up in that Cthulhu and that Lovecraft. <laughs> yes, all up in there. Next up, we got a couple more categories. Uh, the Secret Santa category. So this is for a coworker or a non-gamer. I just drew my coworker for uh, Secret Santa, and I have no idea what to get her. What game should I get her, Tiff? You should get her Ice Cool. Oh, that's a good dexterity choice. Dexterity games are always good for yeah. this sort of thing. People like dexterity games. And I, Ice Have cool you played Ice hilarious. Cool yet? Yes. I'm terrible, terrible at it. terrible at it. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, but like, I don't know. You just need to practice. That's just a skill that you need to hone. And maybe I will overbreak. Maybe I'll just sit around flicking little penguins, trying to get that cool slide around the corner shot. Yeah. When you can get four rooms, you let me know. It's not. It's never going to happen, but I'm going to try. All right. Dan, what would you get your auditing coworkers if you drew them in Secret Santa? Probably a lot of these like Secret Santa white elephants have like a $20 gift restriction and things like that. So I thought uh, Suspicion would fit well under that. It's got that yeah. kind of clue vibe that most people are familiar with, but it's it's updated. It's a little more fun. Um, the artwork's great. It's got a nice, and it's it's got a big box. So if you had to wrap it um, and put it on the white elephant table, people might be more intrigued by it. That's a strategic choice 
for that sense. Thank you. I went ahead and went with Tiff's original pick from the beginning of the list. I have Fuji Flush seems to be applicable enough to enough people that I think it'd be safe to throw into a Secret Santa gift and have people not necessarily be upset. They might be confused, because what the hell does Fuji Flush actually mean? I don't know. But a good game for a lot of different people. We get two more categories. Should we end on the negative note or the positive note? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Dan's always okay with ending on the negative. We'll end on the negative. Let's go ahead with the positive category, a gift for the gamer who has everything, which is something like, what would you get Dan or Tiff or myself uh, if you had us in Secret Santa or you wanted to be kind and send a gift? Tiff, what would you get for the gamer who has everything? Player mats, Ooh. a big giant mouse pad for their table. A big space one. I got one. one of those. Oh, man. So good. Every game is in space now. The gift that keeps on giving. I uh, love my mat. Yeah. It's changed my life. <laughs> you know what I really want that should be on my wish list is a leather mat. I mean, not one the size of my table, but I just saw a Kickstarter. And I'm like, oh, I really want one. Leather Sounds mat. very fancy. Classy. Yeah. All right. So Tiff wants a leather gaming mat, everyone. Dan, this was your category idea. What would you get for the gamer who has everything? I've been really looking into, because I'm trying to like shrink my collection. So I've been looking to like kind of maybe pimp out a few of the games that I really like. You can't go wrong with a broken token insert or just a gift card to broken token. Pick out whatever game you want. Like the Seven Wonders one is great. It holds everything up through Babel. The Firefly one holds everything. They have some really cool things there. So I think, I think inserts and coming from me is something that a lot of people would consider to be a luxury item so if you're, if you're looking to buy for someone who has 400 games then you know get them something to go in one of those games i think that's a good one i also had a similar thing uh, i went with meeple realty i think they're a little bit smaller but, or maybe well yeah everyone's kind of smaller than broken token meeple realty's got some interesting inserts they do a little bit more kind of like thematic stuff with like uh, the things that unfold and they've got like a little mill for Arkwright and things like that. So Meeple Realty is a good place to go for inserts as well, not to take away from Broken Token. But I think the one thing that I have really come to appreciate is the Stonemeyer resources. You know, the, I got the scythe ones and the coins and everything. The resources and coins are really, really good quality and they add to the game. If you're looking, like Dan said, to kind of trick out a game and upgrade it a little bit, uh, Stonemeyer's got some really good products. The I'll actually talk about one in a second, but uh, the they're just a great way to add some flair to a game that somebody really loves. I love those resources. I use them for Stone Age all the time. They're great. Yeah. They really are. Solid, chunky, heavy, good tactile feel. So let's go ahead and end uh, this list on the negative note of the regifted game. The game that if you got, you would try to get rid of, or the game that you really just don't want to see under your tree. You know, this is my category that I came up with. I have a bunch of games down in my basement that I should regift, and I've been known to regift a game or two every once in a while. But you know what I have that I like, I kind of like, but don't like enough to keep, is Penny Press. That's what I would regift. Mm. No one seems to be interested in it, but it's a pretty decent game. It's not terrible. It wouldn't be the worst gift I've ever given. The worst <laughs> gift I've ever given is probably Myth, but. Hey, what up? <laughs> it's on a One shelf day somewhere. someone will figure out how to play that game. The minis yeah. are awesome though. So Yeah. 
All right, so Penny Press. Penny Very Press. nice. That was a Kickstarter game. Yeah, it was. It's okay. It's just okay. All right, Dan. What would you regift? <laughs> uh, according to some people, everything because I hate everything. But that's not true, people. Um, if I had to regift something, I've had a real problem lately with like small box card games because they're so tempting and like you buy them for like 15 bucks and you're like that's cool and then you play them and they're horrible and yeah. then you can never get rid of them because you can't really trade them resale is i mean no one's gonna buy it for five bucks you know what i mean kind of thing it's and then they're just stuck on your shelf so i try to get rid of some of my small box games maybe some kickstarters but i think i mean if i really didn't like the person i'd give them harbor but oh, ouch. <laughs> But I already, that's just not nice. That's devious. You give that to an enemy. I'm kidding. I got rid of that one already. Uh, <laughs> I still have mine in shrink if anyone's interested. <laughs> By the way, we love you, TMG. Uh, the rest of your game. The rest yeah, of your game. Did are you awesome. just insult our sponsor? Ouch. Sorry, sponsor. I I one of their games. Their collection is vast and much better than harbor that's all i'm saying you could give all you could get rid of all of your game like all those little games that you don't want just put i would them in a box. i just put them in a in a box like a department store box and yeah i'd get rid of a ton yeah. of small box games or even better you could do what seems to happen to me occasionally when i make trades you just throw them in with trades you don't want them get rid of them just throw them in with something that you're sending to someone like hey i thought you might like this <laughs> that's true you could just do that i i have done that in the past um if i've been like delayed sending something or in a trade or something i'm like hey i just threw in this small box game just to say sorry kind of thing so all of his trades have been delayed so he can thin out his small box collection <laughs> um, my trade rating is impeccable right now <laughs> okay uh the game that i would regift from this year i would regift via nebula a game that is beautiful and a game that is kind of boring and not very exciting. Uh, it's not a bad game, and some people have found enjoyment with it, and it definitely looks shiny. My copy's in good condition, but uh, don't really want it on my shelf anymore. It just so. needs a new home. Yep, Someone it does. who can appreciate it. If anybody wants it, let me know. Send me your address. Merry Christmas <laughs> to you. And uh, yeah, so. Let's round out this whole thing and this whole episode with a quick wish list. Tiff, if you could get three board gaming items this season, what would you want? Well, it's it's tough for me because I'm probably going to buy myself at least one of these. I have four. Junk art. I really want junk art, but I just can't pull the trigger on it. Yeah. It's expensive. Someone needs to lavish me with <laughs> junk art. And uh, Quadropolis is another one. I was really looking forward to it. And then, I don't know, I just stopped looking forward to it, and then it came out, and I didn't buy it. But I still want it, and I still want to play it. I just, it's enough, I just haven't been buying games. Obviously, Great Western Trail needs to be bought, and it's a, it's a little bit pricier, so I probably won't be buying it for myself anytime soon. And Pandemic Iberia, which is I will probably end up just buying for myself, so no one should buy that for me. Yeah. Very nice. Stan, three board game items on your wish list. What would you want this season? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've already bought myself everything. I honestly don't want anything board game related. But if I had to... Well, just give us some of your non-board game related then. Sure. I don't even have a wish. To be honest, I don't need anything. I, I tell this to my wife all the time. I was like... Dan uh, is fulfilled. That's the thing. If I really want something during the year, I just buy it. Like, 
you know, hashtag blessed, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I just do. That's, that's that's what I do. But if, uh, if I had one board game that I really, really wanted, it's the Ninja Turtles board game (laughs) that I canceled my Kickstarter on, but I regret it because I really want to play it because I love Ninja Turtles like that much. So yeah. Yeah. It'd be the Ninja Turtle game. If I had to pick two other ones, maybe, uh, Glass Road. That's one I've had my eye on, but I just never picked up and roundhouse which is not currently in stock so i haven't been able to find it but that was a i think it was an essen release um, that i'd like as well so those would be the three board game related items i think cool my wish list is ffg no not really well one thing uh new angeles is kind of a game that i really want to get a hold of really like it's you know tiff it's got that white box love those you white boxes your, your iphone look love that games. clean love design it. the terror tome from stonemeyer games is one of they released like a big set of resources and there's a terror tome in there which is all basically good for cthulhu games i'd love to have it for arkham horror uh, lcg it's got like brains and clue magnifying glasses and uh, all kinds of nice like chunky stonemeyer resources but for those horror games and then to go along with that, Mythos Tales is something that I've been hunting down. Kel and I really want to try this out. Dan has Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, so I can't go that route because, you know, we're going to play that together or I don't want to, like, double back over that. But Mythos Tales is kind of the Cthulhu adjacent where you're trying to solve mysteries uh, by yourself or cooperatively in the Cthulhu mythos, which is kind of cool. So Mythos Tales is also on my list. And I think that about does it for episode 58. That is our holiday wish list our buying guide our top of the stack lots of good content this episode thank you all for joining us if you ever want to reach out to us you can do so on facebook.com slash the league of nonsensical gamers you can choose an email podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com head on over to the bgg guild number 2077 like luke did ask for some geek gold for a micro badge you can check us out on instagram nonsensical gamers or me uh, cinnamon buns If you really enjoy the content, if you want to provide us some feedback, you can do so on iTunes. Uh, Those reviews help us rise up through the ranks. The written reviews help us get feedback on what you like and what you don't like so that we can improve the show quality and the show content for you. And uh, it just feels warm and fuzzy this holiday season to know that people enjoy the content and are listening. Thank you again to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. Check them out at playtmg.com. For all that they make, uh, check your store shelves and maybe under your tree for some TMG games like the Oracle of Delphi or the Orleans Invasion expansion. Uh, Hopefully not Harbor, apparently, but uh, anything else is pretty much fair game. So thank you again to TMG. If you want to chat with us personally, the best place to do that is on Twitter. Tiffany B., if they want to find out your address so they can send you a game, where do they do that? I am at IneptGamer. And Dane, if they want to chat with you on Twitter, how do they do that? At League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Ned. And you can find me at Cinnamon Buns spelled phonetically. We should be talking to you again soon, but in case you don't listen, happy holidays to you all, and uh, hopefully the end of the year goes well for you. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.